right, I want to welcome all those that are watching online on the South Shore and the Gulf Coast, and especially at the Orleans Justice Center. Come on, church family. Let's give all of them a hand clap. Welcome. We're glad that you're here today. Well, I have the distinct honor and privilege to uh, introduce to you today. He is no stranger here at the Church of the King. And uh, he's Pastor Brett Fuller, all the way from Washington, D.C. How many of you know Washington, D.C. needs some good churches? Amen? And some good men of God up there. And so, actually, he's, he's married to Cynthia, they, and uh, he had, they have seven children. And uh, he's been there. Actually, this month is their 35th anniversary, and uh, we are excited for you, Pastor Brett. That is so awesome. But he, they have just done a great, they have a great, great church, great Grace Covenant Church here. And uh, we're so glad that you're with us today, Pastor Brett. And uh, we're just going to turn the service over to you. Let's all, let's all stand up and give Pastor Brett a good, warm Church of the King welcome. And he always wears his bow tie. <laughs> it is always a joy to be with you. I feel like I'm home when I come here. I love your pastor and his beautiful wife, Jennifer. I love your pastoral staff. I love you. I love your building. I love your vision. I love your mission. It is, um, it's always, it always makes a pastor feel good when you know that the seed you're sowing goes into good soil. And you can walk with people of integrity and friends who really have your back. And I feel like this congregation is that, and for that I'm grateful. Thank you very much for the hospitality you've extended. Uh, the staff has been amazing. And last night I got a real treat. I got to go see some crazy people at the, at the Superdome. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and they told me that, that's, that's Tiger Light. That's Tiger Light. Wait till you go to Baton Rouge. It's just like, wow, on steroids. I said, hey, amazing fans, amazing fans. So it was a real treat. I got to go to the game last night. Well, I have been tasked with the uh, privilege of closing out your series on soul detox. And uh, tonight, or today, I'm going to be speaking on what it means to overcome the weary soul. The weary soul. How in the world we can stop from getting there. And if you find yourself there, how you can get out. So turn with me over to the book of Psalms. We're going to look at Psalm 42. Psalm 42 verses 1 through 5, Psalm 42, verses 1 through 5. The title of the message is The Weary Soul. The psalmist says, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before my God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember and I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go along with the throng and lead them in the procession to the house of God with the voice of joy and thanksgiving, a multitude keeping festival. Verse 5. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hoping God. For I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. Lord, help us as we study. Three things on this passage about which I'd like to speak. One, panting. Two, plaint. P-L-A-I-N-T. It's a term uh, more, more used in legal uh, circles to talk about bringing a complaint against someone or voicing your complaint legally. And then lastly, what it means to probe. Probe. 
I am no stranger to weariness, unfortunately. I, I distinguish weariness from tiredness. I live tired. I'm required to carry the burdens of different ministries and people. As a pastor, you have to make sure your sheep always have good pastures from which to eat, and still waters from which to drink, carrying people's burdens through counsel and discipleship, helping them become leaders they, they didn't know they could be, trying to see your community come to Christ, the responsibilities I have with my individual family, seven kids, it's a little heavy every once in a while. No complaint here, no complaint, I'm happy about it. But the responsibility I thought, which was going to be alleviated from me when they became adults, <laughs> still remains. I just thought, I, yeah. and so I'm having to lift. And I find myself with my church and my family and my responsibilities in my community and then those which are extra local in my fellowship of churches called Every Nation, I find myself more burdened than I am comfortable. And I, I, I find that I am constantly having to overcome tired. And it's normal. I've, I've learned to navigate it well and find my God in the midst of it. But there have been times when I've let tiredness become weariness. And weariness means exhaustion. It doesn't just mean you're winded. It doesn't mean you're a little spent from having just served. It means you've come to the end of your rope and you don't know what else to do. And as I was worshiping with you all with this fabulous worship and song experience this morning, though I've already preached this message twice, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, there are folks here this morning that came in weary. They aren't just battling it, they live there and they don't know how to get out of it. And today, God's going to help you. He's going to help you. Weariness comes as a result of battling and struggling through and trying to figure out where there's strength and not being able to find it. And then your soul just gives way. And when your soul gives way, all of a sudden, that becomes an on-ramp for discouragement. And when discouragement sets itself up at your front door, it brings with it its friend, depression. And if you let them in, it's hard to get them out. You've got to stop it when you understand first how to navigate tired so it doesn't become weariness. Weariness is that which makes you take your strong arm that is holding your shield of faith and dip it. Because you're so tired you can't hold it up anymore. And the shield of faith is that which protects us. Protects us from the fiery darts that the enemy is shooting at us. And please understand that Pastor Steve is not the only target of the enemy's focus. You are. And you might say, well, wait a minute. Why would the enemy want to target me? I'm just a housewife. I'm a guy who shows up as, as an accountant every day. I, what danger am I to the kingdom? Well, even if you weren't trying to figure out how to love God more and serve him better, the enemy would hate you simply because you remind him of God. He hates God. But he can't get to God. And so he finds the people who are made in his image and tries to hurt them instead. So simply because you are a resident on the planet, you have a target on your chest. And every day of your life, it is your responsibility to hold up your shield of faith and not let your arm become weary. 
and fight off the fiery darts that the enemy is trying to, to take you out with. But weariness makes your arm do this, and all of a sudden you get hit here, and you get hit here, and you get hit here, and you can't navigate through all these attacks and discouragement sets in. And so we're going to talk about the psalmist today who seemed to have gone through many of these issues and how he came out of it. He says, as the deer pants for the water. Deers are not migratory animals. They stay in a territory. They're not like wildebeests in Africa that travel a thousand miles to go find new pasture and then come back after they've had their young. They're pretty much deer are within a maybe a 20-acre spot. And they know where the water is. That's why they're there, because there's sustenance. There's food and water, and they know where to get the water. So if a deer is panting, something's wrong. Either there's a drought that has dried up the water, or somebody's chasing them. A hunter. A guy with a bow. Some of you hunters. A wolf, a bear. He's being chased, and he's being chased in a way that is not near water. And he is so worn out that he is trying to find sustenance and doesn't know where to look because he's in foreign territory. He's been chased out of his normal. And on those two levels, I want you to know that the world is not friendly. It is not your ally. It is not going to set itself up to bless you. This is a world that is, that is geared toward trying to figure out how to stop you from becoming what you want to be and do what you need to do. Going the wrong direction constantly, and we are wired to swim upstream every day of our life. Blessings just don't fall from heaven. We live, after we get out of this room today, in a world of drought where we have to figure out how in the world am I going to get sustenance when I go to my 9 to 5 tomorrow and everybody hates the fact that I'm a believer. When I go to school, I've got teachers that are saying I'm an idiot and I'm a fool for believing in my God. Check out science. Go this direction. God is not real. If he was, this wouldn't have happened. How am I going to navigate all these environments that are set up against my spiritual progress? Drought is normal for spiritual things in this world. Normal. And so we've got to figure out how to navigate the six days before we get here. <sighs> Panting. God, I need help. I need some water. The beautiful thing is that this congregation is amazing. You have a staff that knows how to make rain. <laughs> they do. Your pastors, your worship and song leaders, your administrators... I realize you all have no idea how whatever is put on on Sunday morning happens. You don't know the work that goes behind the scenes to make sure the songs are sung in a certain way that is palatable to the people that are in this area. How the preaching is done in such a certain way so that people can hear best and not have any distractions. How the administration happens, how the lights go on, how to make sure that when there's the words on the screen back here that are sung, and then they also show the, 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 the screen up here, that they don't duplicate the words by showing the screen and the words that they're... All this stuff, these people on the AV are amazing. All of that just to make sure that you don't have any distractions in your, your attempt to try to find God. They do, a, they do an amazing job. But it takes a lot of work, not only in technical excellence, but in spiritual competency, 
to make sure that they're, they're focused on, on providing an atmosphere that is unimpeded in your progress to God. And so they make rain whereby this building, which is just a building, I just built one. I get it. It is just a building. I know pastors don't like to think about that because we poured our heart and soul into just that building. But it's just a building. Without the work and without you, I don't know that God would be here simply because bricks are on mortar. This allows for rain to be made so that when you walk in, you walk out better than you came in. You walk out refreshed. You walk out feeling like, my thirst has been quenched for a minute. But, but then you get out and Monday starts. And you got to start all over. The world is in drought. Secondly, the enemy is chasing you. He wants to do everything he possibly can to try to deter you from your purpose and discourage you. And, and knowing these two things are true, when you come out of here, when you go out into the world, you've got to make sure that you know where to find water. Amen. The psalmist says this, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul yearns for you, O God. If you're panting, if your thirst draws you to money, you're still going to be thirsty after you get it. If your panting and thirst draws you, thinking that somehow education is going to satisfy you, you are still going to be thirsty. If you think that, oh, he loves me. I find myself, he thinks I'm beautiful. She makes me feel amazing when I'm around her. Just get married. Get married. You'll find out how thirsty you still are. Only God can satisfy the thirst of your soul. The psalmist said, I know I'm thirsty, but I know where I need to get it. Now, what happens on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday? See, you need to set up shop whereby you can get water regularly, which means you need to read your Bible every day of your life. Every day of your life, you need to read your Bible. You need to, to make, make camp around God's Word. Get up early, read it late. I'm not too concerned about when you do it, that you do it. I don't even care what version you read. Just read one. Read a Bible. I know some of you got your, you, you, what you believe is the Bible. And yours is most holy. It's the one that, that Jesus wrote. <laughs> I, just read one. Just read one every day of your life. Well, pastor, when I read it, I just... I don't understand it. The words don't pop off the page. I mean, somebody, one of my friends who really looked, said he got so much insight from this devotion. I get no, I just, nothing happened. So? Where is it that it's supposed to be spectacular when you read? Where does it say the words are supposed to jump off the page to you? Now, when they do, that's neat. But please don't think nothing is happening when you read and it doesn't happen. Something's happening. You're putting one brick upon another. And the days you do not read, no brick is put upon another. And why are you putting one stone upon another? That you might build a spiritual house into, in which you can live and abide and keep yourself free from the storms of life. Some friends of mine, friends, I have a contractor with some folk who came out and built a wall in my backyard. Had a patio and had a three-foot wall that was about 12 feet long, about three feet high. And had some... Some folks come out, and the workers were working really hard, about four of them, and, and they could do it in a day. It was pretty amazing. And they brought out these, these stones, and none of them seemed to fit one another. 
this wheelbarrow after wheelbarrow of stones. But they had an eye, and they knew which stones would work best where. And they knew this stone wouldn't fit, so they'd chisel a piece off there, and so it fit, and put the mortar in there. And I watched him for 45 minutes because I said, I need a sermon. <laughs> and so as they began to do, do their deeds, they were very methodical. There was nothing super, super wow about it. And they finished the wall. And they got me, knocked on the front door and said, sir, we're finished. Would you like to come out and look? I said, yeah. I said, oh, gosh, guys, that looks good. They smiled. They shook one another's hands. They shook mine. I said, sir, we like it too. We think it's great. But not in the entire process of putting up that wall, which took about six hours, not once did I hear any of them, after they placed one stone upon another, say this, whoa, that was an amazing stone. I mean, you see how that fit together like that? That was astounding how that just, woo-hoo-hoo! <laughs> Not once. But when the wall was constructed, they all stepped back and said, that's good. That's good. Every day, you read your Bible, and it's routine, it's mundane. If the words pop off the page, that's good. But if they don't, you have also, just remember, put a stone in the wall. You've built something, and every day you don't, something doesn't get built. Read your Bible every day. And you need to set up shop around this word. What does Psalm 1 say? Blessed is a man who doesn't sit in the council of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor move, walk in the place of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in the law he meditates day and night. And he's careful to do everything that is written in it. He will be like a man who is planted by the rivers of water and his leaf does not wither and in whatever he does, he prospers. What does he say? When we meditate in this word regularly, I, and meditation is that which has an intent about it. You're thinking about the right thing. You're letting it roll over in your brain and to be deposited as a seed down in the soil of your heart. And as you are meditating on this stuff, Something begins to happen to you. You find yourself planted, planted by the streams of water so that even if there is a drought, your root system is so deep into that stream that you wind up having your leaves never wither when there is. And you, you prosper. You bear fruit in its season and in whatever you do, you prosper. Now, coming to church every week is fabulous, and I'm going to get to that in a minute. But it's more important, if not equally so, I'll say it like that, that you make sure your spiritual life is not dependent upon the rain this church produces. That you are planted by this word regularly and you are in it. So even if a hurricane were to hit and we weren't able to meet, you'd still find sustenance every day. Now the psalmist says this, I'm trying to find God. In the midst of, see, weariness doesn't give us perspective. He knows where he needs to go, but he doesn't know exactly how to get there. He said, I'm thirsting for God, and when will I find him? Oh, he, he's trying to figure out, is church open today? Lord, if I open my Bible, are you going to meet me today? When can I do it? I'm in a hurry. He's not trying to answer the question by saying, I don't know. He knows the answer to the question. He's saying, can I get there quicker? I know it's in a rhythm of life, but Lord, I, I got you in my devotion, but I need you at noon today. Are you going to be there? 
Can I find you there at noon? Can I find you before I go to bed? Can I find you on Tuesday night at my small group? When can I find God? When can I approach him? You need to have a passion when you are tired, when you are tending toward weariness, to say, I'm going to seek him every moment of every day. I'm going to make that my aim to find him every place I possibly can. The psalmist then talks about the condition of his soul as he's going through this weary period. You all still with me? He says, and, and this, this, this references his, his plaint, P-L-A-I-N-T, his, 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 not, his frustration with life. When you don't allow the word to be the primary seeds that are planted in your soul, other seeds will be planted. You just won't have planted them. I have a garden in my backyard. It's my wife's garden. But it's, it's my responsibility. <laughs> so I planted a lot of stuff. We got watermelon, got cantaloupe. We got green peppers, cucumbers, pole beans, bush beans, summer squash, blackberries. We got a lot of stuff in my garden. Tomatoes. And it's my responsibility to make sure that the, the harvest is as it should be. So it takes me about two hours a week. It took me about three days to plant the garden. I've done this for now seven years. But it takes me about two hours a week to, to cultivate. And I planted all those, those seeds on purpose. But every time I go out to my garden, about every three days, there are things that come up that I did not plant. <laughs> and I sit there and I scratch my head, where'd you come from? Dandelion, how did you get here? All kind of weeds just show up. I didn't plant them. I don't like them. I wish they weren't there, and they are there to produce no fruit for me, but to compete with the resources for the things that I did plant that are supposed to produce fruit. And so I've got to take a lot of effort to make sure that they are rooted out so they don't get the resources necessary for my other plants. And there's nothing I can do about stopping the need for cultivation. I just have to do it. Seeds get planted without you planting them. And if you are not vigilant in the soil of your heart, you'll have a crop of weeds more than you can deal with. Weariness will make you so tired, you will not be a good gardener. And even the seeds that are planted on this Sunday morning or the next or the last will have to compete with doubt and unbelief cynicism, anger, resentment, bitterness that you've allowed to come in without intentionally planting, but you have not gardened your garden. This is how complaint rolls up. My tears have been my food day and night. I can't eat. I can't sleep. I'm crying all the time, God. Don't you see me here? The psalmist has let it go a little too far. It's not just the condition of his soul that's in bad shape. He's saying to God, I'm in trouble, and I'm wondering where you are. I'm trying to seek you, but it's hard right now. Are you around? My food has been my tears. I'm crying so much I can't eat, and when I try to go to sleep to stop crying, I can't because I'm still crying. I'm so tired and weary and discouraged, and it set itself up. I don't know what to do. 
I'm alone with my thoughts too often, and it's painful to me. And then there are people, people. Now, the, uh, the people fall in two categories. There, there are those, and everybody's saying, where's your God? And there's, there's a certain group of people that are probably mockers. Saying, I thought you loved God. And look at the condition you're in. There's no God. Where is he? You get those folk, and you just ignore them. And then you get the other folk who may be saying it like this. Where's God in your life? Can't you find him? I, I, and, 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 and you might be asking them to help you. Can you help me find God? And I'm convinced that during these times, it is rare, at least in my experience, it is rare that God will give me a quick fix out. I want to go to people when I feel that I'm tending toward this and say, help me. What, do you have a word from God for me on this? And I've got a prophet who lives with me in my church. He's, he's my senior associate. And he's amazing. You all know Pastor Jim LaFoon, right? Well, Pastor Jim LaFoon trained a guy named Pastor Jim Critcher, and he's his disciple. They were in the same church in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina. Pastor Jim Critcher came to be with me 15 years ago. Amazing human being. He's my senior associate on staff. He is a real prophet, not just prophetic. He is a real prophet, one of the few in the world that is all right. He's amazing. In my difficult times, I go to him and say, so what is God saying? He says, I don't know. <laughs> well, what am I paying you for? <laughs> when you're going through difficult times like this sometimes God won't let people help because it's a quick fix out and he is trying to get much more in you than you think you need meaning there is a perseverance that needs to be employed in your life that presses through to find him and walk by faith when everything in the world is saying he's not there. Where is your God? Mockers, yes. And then, where's God in your life? Have you found him yet? I don't, I can't, I don't know what's going on. You, people just can't help. But you still have to find him. And the perseverance to do so makes you a different person when you come to the end. When you get to the point at which you are now through the trial, now you are not the same person who came in if you have sought him when it took you a lot of effort to do so. Something's built on the inside of you so that when other people come to you and you find them in the same position in which you found yourself months ago, you say, listen, don't stop, don't quit, keep going. There's gold at the end of this moment. There's a treasure for you. You keep pressing and finding him. Now, the, see, the, the problem is this. When we got right with God, remember when you got born again? It was easy to find him. It was easy. I mean, he just showed up whenever you needed. Spoke to you. Revealed himself to you. He, it, your heart was tender. It was great. It, 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 but, but it's a whole lot like playing hide and seek with your two-year-old. You ever done that with your two-year-old? Those of you who are married and have kids. Yeah, this, this is the way you play hide and seek with your two-year-old. You're in, the, you're in the living room, and he puts his hands over his eyes. He counts to five. That's all he can count to. He counts to five. And then you find this, the, the, the floor lamp that, that is an inch in diameter. And you hide behind the floor lamp. And then when he gets to five, he opens his eyes and says, I found you! Oh, you're so amazing. That's great. 
When we get born again, God lets us find him like that. Because you're two. If he really hid, you'd never find him. He reveals himself in wonderful ways because you're two. But now I'm 56. He's hard to find sometimes. And it's not because he's playing games. It's because he's trying to build something on the inside of me about what it means to walk in faith. To walk in faith and to become different because this world has bigger problems than mine. And in order for me to help the world tackle its issues, I'm surely going to have to overcome mine. And I'm going to encounter many more obstacles in the world than whatever I'm facing in my personal life. And I'm going to have to be able to press through those moments with all the people in the world beginning to say, like the first folks who would say, where is God in this? I'm going to have to deal with all those issues while I am full of faith in the moment to believe that although I cannot see him now, if I just keep going, he's going to meet me at the end. And it will be a witness to everybody that there are folks who can believe when there is no reason in the natural to believe. And God shows up and he's faithful to them. We need to make sure that we don't quit. Quit ought to be a four-letter word in your life. Where is God? And Lord, I... I've cried out to you day to night. I have poured out my soul. What, what that means is this. I got nothing left. The pain won't go away. It just won't go away. I, I pour everything that is in me. I, it's gone. I poured it all out. And I still haven't found any relief. Unfortunately, if you haven't been there, you just haven't lived long enough. I've been there more times than I want to say. More times than I want to say. But, but then he comes to his senses. He says, it hasn't always been this way. There was a time when I was actually the praise and worship leader of song and church. And, 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 and I used to lead thousands of people on the regular into his presence. And with thanksgiving and joy, it hasn't always been this way. And all of a sudden, his memory begins to serve him. The immediate circumstances of our life seem to, seem to, to serve us in getting amnesia. We are so dominated by the challenges that we face that we forget what God has done in the past. And we do not let the victories that he has wrought for us serve us in these moments. And it's like we're facing new things that we've never been through before or have no reference point for God ever meeting us. And facing these new things, we're not using what he has done in the past to help us know that he can overcome in the present. Amnesia sets in, and now we think we're going to die. We're going to die. The disciples in the boat with Jesus. Jesus said this. He said this. And this is after he had just fed some folk when there was no food with which to feed them. 4,000 people with a few loaves and fish. And he says, we're going to the other side. 
Everybody say that with me. We're going to the other side. That's what Jesus said. And so they got in the boat, and they started going. And then all of a sudden, a squall came up. Biggest storm these guys had ever seen. They knew when it was not safe to sail because they were sailors. And there were no signs on the horizon that anything was going to be difficult. Sometimes storms just come up with no warning. You get no Doppler radar. They just show up. These guys are just going out of their minds. Worst storm of their lives on the sea. And they are bailing, bailing, bailing as fast as they can. All the disciples. And they're not being able to bail fast enough. Water's coming in quicker than they can get it out. And they're looking for all hands on deck. Everybody helping. And you know what Jesus is doing? He's asleep. He's asleep. He's in the hull of the boat asleep. Now you can imagine the frustration that's building up in the disciples. Does not this dude know we in trouble? <laughs> Why isn't he helping us? Why isn't he helping me? Doesn't he know I'm in trouble? He seems to be at rest and I'm bailing. Why isn't he helping me? Finally, Peter just has enough. Goes to Jesus and says, don't you care? Don't you care that we are perishing? Jesus gets up, gets on the bow of the boat, and does this. Shh. Hush, be still. The winds and the, the waves stopped. The disciples, soaking wet and tired, weary. <sighs> Jesus looks at him, says, where'd your faith go? Where was your faith? Have, basically, have you been with me this long and you really thought I was going down with the ship? I am the Messiah. I, I, I can take five loaves and two fish and make them. Where, don't, why, what happened to your memory? Our memory is to serve us so that when we get in storms like that, we can, instead of Bailey, just get in the blanket with Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, right, listen, I know he ain't going down. I know he ain't. I don't know what y'all doing, but I'm going to cuddle up right here with him. Y'all, mm -hmm. no, I ain't helping you. I ain't helping. I ain't helping. In fact, if he goes down, it's better that I go down with him than help you. <laughs> Your memory is supposed to serve you. He said, I remember there was a moment where God was with me. It was phenomenal. I'm grateful. And that, that begins to serve him. And it goes into the probing whereby he says this. Soul, how did we get here? How did we get here? Ah, I need to develop some faith in this moment. Why are you in so much despair? Oh, my soul. There's no point to be like this. You don't have to be like this. Listen, sometimes you need to talk to yourself. My mama growing up said people who, who talked to themselves were touched. <laughs> well, I, I would fit in that category because I preach to myself all the time. No, Brett, we're not thinking that today. 
No, I know they hurt you. I know they said some bad stuff about you, but you are not going to become bitter. You're not going to rehearse it over and over again, trying to figure out, well, if they say this to me next time, I'm going to say this to them next time. <laughs> We're not going down that road. Uh-uh. You're only going to forgive and move on. Brent, no, no, so you're not going to let your soul become discouraged here. No, no, no. We're going we're gonna to find faith in God in this moment. I, looks like, I know it looks like he's gone. There's no place, but I know what he's done in the past. No, soul, we're not going to get cynical. We're not going to let doubt fill our hearts. Uh-uh. Soul, we're not going there today. I talk to myself like that. Soul, why are you so discouraged? Don't you know what God has done for you? And you who are weary, stay on the road. You're about ready to come into the intersection of his provision. If you exit early, you'll never get there. Stay on the road because he's about to meet you and let your memory serve you well. Has he not done great things for you? Has he not delivered you to this point that allowed you to sit up in here and listen to this little black man tell you some truth? That's how you got here. It's his mercy has guided your way. And, listen to me, gratefulness ought to be the orientation of your soul. Gratefulness and thankfulness. No matter what you're going through, you always need to be grateful. And you shouldn't have to drum up stuff for which you need to be grateful. You shouldn't have to say, well, you, let me see if I can remember. Where. No, it ought to be on the forefront of your mind. If, if you just go to the least common denominator of our Christian experience, just be grateful for this. And sometimes I have to tell myself this when I get up from my, my, my sleep. At, at night, in the morning when I get up, I say, well, you know, things may not be as, as well as I'd like, but I ain't going to hell. <laughs> I ain't going to hell. I ain't going to hell. Lord, it's a good day. It's a good day. It's a good day. You've got to reduce it down to the things that are most important sometimes that you overlook because you think that they're supposed to be, by way of entitlement, so much, so much more that's supposed to happen for you good. Gratefulness begins to rudder your soul in the right direction. Soul, don't go there. Look at what God has done for you. He sent his son on your behalf. If he freely gave up his son, Paul said in Romans chapter 8, verse 32, if he freely gave his son while we were yet enemies, how much more will he not freely give you all things? Soul, get right. Get right today. And let hope fill your heart. When your memory begins to serve you, hope won't sprout wings and fly away. It'll be your companion. Why? Because you know he's done it before. You believe that he can do it again. Hope serves you then. And you are able to say, I'm going to see my God in the land of the living. I'm going to be there because he's going to help me with his presence, his deliverance. It's going to save me from this. I may not be saved out of it. I might be saved in it, but I'm going to be saved from it. Very rarely does he ever deliver me out of my circumstances. He delivers me while I'm in it. He delivers me through them, and I become better as a result of gone th going through them, getting on the other side than when I came in. Lord, I will praise you for the help of your presence. You will deliver me. Not just deliver me out of, but deliver me through and make me better. Weariness is an enemy that needs to be confronted with faith and allow God to do what he wants to do in your life. Can you pray with me? Father in heaven, I love you. Thank you for your goodness, your kindness. There is nobody like you in the universe. And the way you treat us 
the mercy that you've decided to just spread abroad in our life. We want you to know that we are a grateful people for it. Help us to always be mindful as we go through difficulty, to always be mindful that you are the God who delivers us and helps us. And help us to never let tiredness go into weariness. In Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. amen. You're great. Love you. Awesome.